0: Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Okay, welcome back. Here we go. Um, This is the second part of Hebrews 10 where we kind of covered the first half. And, and of course, basically the author is doing the same thing he's been doing for like the last 10 chapters, which is essentially to say, Jesus is all you need. You don't need the sacrificial system. You don't need to continually offer all these sacrifices. And if you put your faith in them, you know, this is a bad idea. And so he kind of said the whole thing before, like you are perfect in Christ Jesus. You have been made whole in Christ Jesus. You have been set free. Like You're sanctified, and you have to believe all that, which is why you don't need blood of goats and bulls and all this other nonsense. So he gets into that. Now, then he, he basically says all this stuff about, you know, come to the Lord, draw near to him, and this and that. And then all of a sudden, in verse 1026 of Hebrews chapter 1026, you have this What what seems like a bit of a shift, and and usually what you'll find is preachers and pastors, they'll come to you, and what they'll say is something like this. They'll say, look, I'm going to show you how you can lose your salvation. I'm going to show you how if you don't perform good enough. They might not say it exactly like this, but this is exactly what they're saying. If you don't perform good enough, then you're going to get burned forever in hell. Like They'll say something like that. And so, and they'll say, "Here's here's the scripture that shows how you can lose your salvation," and um, and I'm gonna go ahead and, and do something. I'm gonna go ahead and actually uh, preach it like like you've probably heard it, and I certainly have heard it, um, which is completely false. But I'll just go ahead and and do it anyway. So they'll they'll skip. All the first nine and a half you know chapters and the first part of chapter ten, and they'll just jump right into Hebrews 10 26 in order to show you, the poor parishioner, the Christian showing up to church that day, how you, if you don't, if you keep on sinning, you're gonna burn forever. So here's what he says. For if we go on sinning willfully, now I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit here, so follow with me. Your pastor, teacher, whoever is gonna go, ha, ha ha. See if you keep sinning willfully. In other words, if you continue to sin on purpose, like if you sin and you know it's sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth. So they'll tell you if you keep on with up with your sin after you already know about Jesus, they'll be like there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries Mwah, ha, 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 ha. and then they'll go on and, and the rest of it, which goes like anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on a testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve? Who has trampled underfoot, the son of God and regarded as unclean, the blood of the covenant, of which you was sanctified and insulted insult to the spirit of grace. Right. Okay. Sorry. I got a little excited. I got a little bit uh, too much into the, a devil's advocate there, but they'll preach it something like that. Basically saying like, look, man, if you keep on sinning, they'll reach a point where you, there'll no longer be a sacrifice for your sins and you will just going to get burned forever. So there's about 150,000 problems with that way of reading this text, but let's go ahead and, and just tackle a couple of the main issues. So <laughs> the first one is the whole idea of sinning willfully. So somehow, um, I've even heard preachers be like, well, if you sin on accident, Like a whole bunch of times, like that's okay. But, or if you just don't know it's sin that you're doing, somehow that's okay. But if you know it's sin, then, you know, you're going to die or burn forever. Or there's no longer a sacrifice for your sins or you'll lose your salvation or whatever. They'll say something like that. So I look at this passage and I go, hmm. Okay. So first of all, my first question would be, well, how many times? Like how many times exactly? In other words, how many times can I, let's just, let's just pretend for a minute. Let's just say smoking is a sin. I would, I would be one that would probably lean to say smoking is probably a sin, but I don't know. Somebody might say it's not a sin. I don't know. But let's just go go with it. So let's say smoking cigarettes is a sin. And the reason I would argue it's a sin is because it's, an, it's, it's really an addiction, of course, right? And to me, any addiction is something that has power over you in place of the authority of Jesus. So I would say, in my opinion, anything that is an addiction is sin, um, and it, whether it's a food addiction or a cigarette addiction or even a workout addiction, th- these are things that, um, you know, if it has some kind of power over you, like if you're addicted to it, like you can't say no to it, you know, and it's gotcha, um, over the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would call that an idol. And that's, so to me, that would be sin. It would need it to be repented of. And again, with like eating, obviously you can't stop eating and, and like working out healthy. Um, you know, those kinds of things we would need to just release before the Lord. And it's just an issue of making sure your heart's right, you know, before the Lord um, to break the idolatry, to make sure that his word is 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 controlling you and compelling you over anything external to you. Um, but cigarettes is, is even also bad for you. Like we all know this, like we know cigarettes is harmful to you and you're addicted to it. So let's just pretend that it's a sin. Now, there might be some of you that's like, oh, it's not, but let's just pretend that it is. So my question then is, and if you're going to say that this, this whole thing is sending you to hell if you sin willfully. So my question is then, okay, how many cigarettes? Like 40, 50, 1,000, 10,000, 50,000? At what point do you finally cross the line where there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins? At what point is that an issue? Um, And then uh, my second question would be this, like if if you're going to read the text like that, you also have to ask yourself, sinning willfully? It's like there are some passages in Romans where Paul basically says all sin is willful. (laughs) In other words, he kind of makes the case in Romans and a couple other places that sin, by definition, is willful. Now, um, so some people, and again, I... I've studied this out a lot and I don't even know if I have a hard and fast position on this, but I I do want to describe what the positions are. So you have people that think of sin because of some of the things that Paul wrote. um, And you can read it in Romans yourself about basically like, uh, you know, it's not a sin unless you actually know it's a sin, um, which is why later on Paul goes, talks about if you have a conviction about anything and you do that against the conviction that you have from the Lord, then to that man, it is sin. Meaning like if God just tells you specifically, you know, like I, you shouldn't do that or you feel like you shouldn't do that or you feel like it's wrong and you do it, then for you it would be wrong. Whereas someone else, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be sin. So there, there's there's, there's, an aspect of sin that has to do with willfulness, like willful disobedience. Um, and then there's like there's things that, you know, maybe you don't know it's sin and you're doing it. Um. And there's not the same kind of uh, judgment uh, coming on you from—that's what Paul talks about. Basically, um, you know, the, the consequences of that aren't imputed to you. <laughs> They're not counted against you if you don't know it's wrong. It's just simply a way of saying, like, look, sometimes some people do things they don't know are wrong, so those aren't those trespasses aren't necessarily counted against them because they didn't know. It doesn't mean that it isn't morally wrong. So there can be a difference between sin, like willful sin— and something that's morally wrong, so I would say that um, someone in Christ that knows right from wrong, uh, anything anything morally wrong is sin, but someone who doesn't know, and they might be doing something immoral, like sleeping outside of marriage, for instance, but if they don't know it's wrong, um, then it's not the same as someone who would sin and know it's wrong. So you kind of see the Bible um, making a difference between like things that are immoral and things that are sinful, although again, all things that are sinful are immoral, but not everything is immoral is sinful. I don't know if I even said that right. Anyway, whatever. I think you guys kind of get the point. I can do a whole teaching on sin and what it is and all that maybe some other time. But my question here is like sinning willfully. It's like, well, all sin is willful. And then it's like after receiving the knowledge of the truth. So they're basically like once you come to Christ, if you sin too much. But here's the deal, guys. Remember, there's something called context. You know, and context determines meaning. And if you've been listening to this podcast the entire time, going all the way through Hebrews and you listen to last week's Teaching, by the time you get here, there's absolutely no way that you could read this as just sinning in any way. You know, like this is just random sinning of any kind. Because what is the specific sin he's talking about? Remember, context determines meaning. Context determines meaning. I have to say this like a thousand times, especially in the Bible Belt. Whereas around here, they think emotion determines meaning. Or if you scream loud enough, that determines meaning. No, it doesn't. The Word of God and the context of it determines meaning of words. So here's what I want you guys to look at. For If we go on sinning willfully, what is the sin he's been talking about this entire time? Like literally since Hebrews 1, what is the sin? He's not talking about any sin anywhere, anytime, any random sin that you might get caught in. He's not talking about that. What does he mean? He's talking about the sin of specifically adding things to the gospel. That's the sin he's talking about. He's talking about, remember, the blood of bulls and goats. If you Basically what he's saying is this. If you go on believing that the blood of bulls and goats somehow still cleanses you from sin, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. Do you see what he's saying? He's like, if we go on sinning willfully, and in other words, if we continue, even after, because after we know the knowledge of the truth, in other words, after we know that Jesus is the only way, after we know that Jesus is glorified and sanctified, and yet we continue to put our faith, or at least some of our faith in this hybridized gospel that they were a part of, if we continue to believe in any way that these bulls and goats somehow wash us of sin, he says there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So this is, isn't just like any sin anywhere, anytime, that all of a sudden, and you reach the maximum amount of it and you're cut off. Like it's like, uh oh, you know, you you sinned too many times in that specific way, and now you've reached the maximum and you're out. Like that's not <laughs> that's not the gospel, that's not the heart of God, that's not Jesus, and that's not what Hebrews is saying. He's simply saying Look, if you continue to compromise the gospel and believe your holiness comes from somewhere other than the blood of Jesus, then there does come a point where your faith is not in Christ. And remember, your faith being holy in Christ for forgiveness of sins, for being purified, sanctified, glorified, justified, all those ides that are awesome, he's like, it has to be purely and holy in him. And if you don't do that, if you put your faith in something else, he's saying, there will no longer be a sacrifice. Like there's this grace period for you to like struggle with that. But, but he's basically saying you can't stay in that because he's like, if you stay in a compromised gospel, which is sinning, again, sin, not just any sin, the specific sin of putting your faith in something other than Christ, he says there's no longer remains a sacrifice. Well, of course there's no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. Why? Because you're not believing in the one sacrifice for your sins, Period. So I just want everyone to to get a hold of that right now. And that's why he goes on to say this, but a but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire, which will consume the adversaries. What is his point? What is he trying to say? He's trying to say that look, that if you continue to believe that the blood of bulls and goats is what sanctifies you, is what is taking your sins away, he's like, if you continue to do that, all that remains for you is a terrifying expectation of judgment. In other words, you're going to be judged. Like He's basically warning the Jewish people. He's saying, look, you cannot continue in the Jewish sacrificial system. If you do, you're going to have the same fire that will consume the adversaries because they're sitting there thinking, well, we're Jews, we're God's people, we're his chosen people. We can continue to believe in the blood of bulls and goats as taking away our sins. It's fine. And the writer of Hebrews goes, no, it's not. He's like, if you continue in that sin, you are eventually going to get to a point where you have you're, you've compromised all. In your faith, as far as where your forgiveness comes from. And he's like, if you do that, then what you can expect is fire that will consume the adversaries, which is why he makes the next point. Verse 28, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. In other words, he's basically saying, Look, even under the old covenant that you guys are still under, that you got, in other words, that you guys still want to cling to, he's like, Even under the law of Moses, he goes, Someone will die without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That was the law. In verse 29, it says, How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, right? So, see his point? He's not saying any sin anywhere, he's talking about the sin of. Of Again, he calls it trampled underfoot the Son of God, and furthermore, and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. You see what I mean? He's like, regarding the blood of Jesus as unclean by not deeming it worthy to make you holy. That's what he's saying. He's like, if you have regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace... See how are you insulting the spirit of grace? Because you're saying that's not good enough. That's not that's not grace enough. <laughs> you know his blood isn't enough. Is what is what he's saying. And therefore, when you do that, you're regarding the blood of the covenant um, as unclean, and you have insulted the spirit of grace. See again, he's not talking about losing your salvation by sinning too much. What he's talking about is compromising your faith in Christ. By believing you're holy or justified or glorified by something else other than um, uh, just faith in him, specifically in their case, the blood of bulls and goats, but do you see how important it is that we put all our faith and all our trust in Jesus for our holiness and nothing else because it compromises our our hearts. Our, the gospel hurts our hearts. And again in their case they were still really putting their faith in blood and in bowls of uh, sorry, the blood of bulls and goats and they he's like this is going to end badly for you. <laughs> so he's he's warning them very harshly. And he says verse 34, "We know him who said vengeance is mine, I will repay." And again, the Lord will judge his people. Again, the Lord will judge his people, and that's why he says it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Well, when and why is it terrifying? It's terrifying when you've been the chosen people who have this particular thing, and now what's being poured out on you is the true gospel, the fullness of the Messiah is being poured out on you, and you have rejected it, or you have compromised it in some way. He's like, that's scary, because God just offered this free gift where it's faith, it's salvation by grace through faith in Jesus alone, and it's so awesome, and it's so beautiful, and it's so powerful, and he's saying... You reject that? You're going to throw that away because you're afraid of the Romans? You're going to throw it away because you're afraid of the Jews? He's like, that will be a terrifying day. He's saying, please do not do that. (laughs) And that's why he goes on verse 32. But remember the former days. When after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. In other words, he's like reminding them, look, when you guys first had the gospel, you walked it out purely and it was awesome. And he's like, remember that? When you were enlightened, he's like, and you guys suffered a ton. And he goes, verse 33, partly by me being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. He's like, remember when you first got the gospel and you were so excited and it was so awesome and you were so on fire. And as a result of that, you endured a lot of conflict and people made fun of you. You were a public spectacle and you got uh, you got put through the ringer just because you were friends with those who also believed like you. And then verse 34, for you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. See what he's saying is the Romans came and, pers- and took your stuff away, and you you were joyful about it because you had you had entered into the true gospel of absolute faith in Jesus. You knew Him as your Lord and Savior. You forsake the old covenant in terms of the blood and the uh, the blood of goats saving you. He's like you did all that, and he's like and you did it with joy because you were so filled. And he says, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession. And a lasting one, which is why verse 35 he says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence now. He's like, Don't throw it away now, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. He's like, you're going to have to make it through this because I know this is rough. I know the Jews hate you. I know, I mean, the other Jews who, who don't believe in Jesus. I know they hate you. I know the Romans hate you. I know you're scared of them. He's like, you need, you have need of endurance. Like you can do this so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And he's saying like the promise is that everything that comes with the new covenant. Verse 37, for yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Here we go again. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. He's saying, just don't shrink back. Continue to believe he is coming and he is near. And then I love verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith faith to the preserving of the soul. I mean, this is like, wow. Like he basically goes, look, all of those warnings, he's like, But I believe we're not like that. I believe you guys aren't going to be like that, that you're not going to shrink back to destruction, but you're going to have faith to the preserving of your soul. He's like, I believe in you. You got this endure. So every time you hear a preacher come up and try and tell you, you know, if you sin 460 times, you're okay. But I guess if you sin 461 times, there remains nothing but uh, judgment for you. I want you to, under, again, you're going to know in your head that is not the context of Hebrews 10:26. The context is compromising your faith by putting your faith in something else other than the perfect holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ for both your salvation, sanctification, and and your holiness that you walk forward in love and adoration and purity before the living god and basically saying this is such a pure and beautiful gift don't compromise it and that's my only fear that's my only thing where i think of this this verse and this whole passage about this generation because most people in america they have lived or heard such a compromised gospel and it sounds like holiness they're like we live a higher standard so you have to do x y and z but they begin to tie their holiness to the x y and z like the thing they're doing And I just cringe at that because there's such a danger there. And I'm not saying even a danger of, you know, losing your salvation or anything like that. I'm just saying there's a danger where you pull back from God, you shrink back, you get into this works oriented, like exhausting thing where it's like, I'm just trying to become better. I'm trying to become better. And I'll tell you guys about my experience with this and my encounter both in the book of Romans and with my private time with God about 10 years ago that shifted everything in my heart and freed me and allowed me to overcome literally every single thing in my life that was dogging me at that time to have ultimate and total freedom in Christ. It's been amazing and nothing but growth and purity and awesomeness ever since then. But I'll tell you about that. Maybe in the, even in the next podcast, I might even just do a little testimony as opposed to a teaching, but I might teach a little bit through Hebrews 11. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, that's one of my favorite ones right there. And so, um, i am supposed to say like, like it and share it and whatever. So there you go. Love you guys. And let's go on. This is going to be amazing. The future is bright. Thank you for listening to Unleashed Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the father's love poured out through his word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the give link. Thank you.